Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. Lord Jesus, I, I am under your divine assignment and mandate tonight. Father, I enjoy the points, the, the other points from the message on Wednesday night. I only got through one of them, and I was looking forward to teaching the, others, the other points. But uh, you spoke to me this afternoon, Father. And I don't say that lightly. You really spoke to me this afternoon. I didn't expect you to. I didn't expect you to say what you said, and I didn't expect you to speak as long as you did. Because normally you only say one sentence to me or a couple sentences. But Lord, you spoke to me about a number of things uh, for me to speak. And Lord, you know that I asked you to delay until Sunday morning so we would have the maximum possible viewership that they would all benefit. But you told me that you gave me that for tonight and that whoever would tune in and be faithful would receive an answer. And so, Heavenly Father, I'm going to say what you told me to say and I'm going to deliver what you told me to deliver because I know that I am your mouthpiece. I am your spokesperson. I know that I am your delivery boy. I am your FedEx man, so to speak. You are giving them your words through me. And I don't just mean your logos written word, although it's all based on that. You're giving them a specific word from heaven that you have uttered and spoken to me because I stand in a place of leadership in this church. But Lord, it's, it is for me, but it is, it is for them as much as it is for me. It is for us. It is a word to our church. And Father, of course, I know what it is because you've spoken it to me, so I've been meditating on it since you've spoken to me. And, it, and I, I, even for me personally, and for the corporation of Promise of Life, which it affects my personal life and the corporation's life. Father, I find myself, since you've said it to me, so grateful, so deeply grateful, because you're helping me. And I so appreciate your rescue and your help. You want us to succeed. But Father, it's not just for me, it's for them, for their personal lives, because they're part of this body. They're part of this local church. They have submitted themselves to my authority, that you, the delegated authority that you've given me as the pastor. And because of their submission and their honor, if they would take a hold of this and make it their own tonight, it will work for them the same as it works for me, and the same it will work for me. And I believe they will have the same appreciation for the rescue in their lives and for their families and for their businesses as I have felt so deeply just in this short while since you spoke it to me this afternoon. Lord, we love you. Our hearts are to honor you. Our hearts are to please you. We don't want to go off. We don't want to turn to the left or to the right. We don't want to get into the ditch here or the ditch there. We want to stay centered. We want to stay right. And sometimes we start to step off. And your grace and your deep mercy toward us and your deep love and your loving kindness toward us by the Holy Ghost pulls us back. And so, Father, you've pulled me back tonight. Yes, it's a correction for me, but not because I'm doing something bad or sinful, because I'm needing to become more skillful. And so, Father, I believe it will also be a mild correction to some of them, probably all of them, not because you're upset with them, but because you want them to become more skillful so that we can obtain all that you've promised us.
So I thank you, Father, for the anointing in the name of Jesus that comes now. I lean upon it and I yield to it fully. Without your anointing, I'm nothing and I can do nothing. But with it, I can do all things and speak all things under the unction. So, Father, I thank you for your anointing. I yield my vessel to it in the name of Jesus. I yield my tongue to it in the name of Jesus. Lord, speak through me that my tongue would be that of a ready writer to speak forth the oracles of God and write it by the Holy Ghost, according to Hebrews 9, upon their hearts. Write revelation upon their hearts, Father. Father, I thank you. I don't misspeak under the anointing, for that is dangerous. Father, I thank you for your angels that influence and help even influence me as I minister the word of God tonight and your angels that go forth and influence and minister for them as heirs of salvation. Holy Ghost, I thank you for and I covet and I long for and I yield to and I ask you for all the nine gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. Father, I don't choose when they're in operation, but I make it my daily prayer to you to remind you of my deep reverence and desire for those gifts. I thank you for the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. I thank you that they operate in Jesus' name as the Holy Ghost wills. I thank you for the gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. I thank you that they operate as the Spirit of God wills it. I thank you for the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. I thank you that they operate as the Holy Ghost wills. And we yield ourselves now, every person within the sound of my voice, we yield ourselves, Father, to me as a vessel to speak and them as a vessel to hear. Pour through me into them. Lord, make them not so full that they feel they know everything that they can't receive. A full vessel cannot receive. Lord, we empty ourselves in humility and we say, teach us, Holy Ghost. Pour into us revelation knowledge and the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, they empty themselves, and even myself, I empty myself before you, and I say, pour into me and pour into them, that we would hear what you are saying, and that it would be quickened unto us by the Holy Ghost with revelation knowledge, that we would do it and not hear it only. And I thank you, Lord, for help and for rescue that comes because of it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, and I give you all the glory and the praise, Lord Jesus, in advance. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. Uh, I'm gonna start with, uh, the, it's unusual the way the Lord dealt with me. Like I said, normally he speaks to me one sentence or so. In this situation, he spoke to me a number of paragraphs. He basically gave me the whole sermon, outlined it for me, and I just wrote down what he said and then added the scripture verses that he was referring to. And... Uh, so I'm, and then I added, of course, my own thoughts as well to it in addition. But I want to start by reading you the first sentence that he said to me. I was praying in the Holy Ghost. And I was thinking about the church, about the budget, about people's giving. And if we would be able to meet all of our obligations... And if we don't meet them, which ones we would have to forego? Because there's a natural practical side to life and uh, you have to work with the budget that you have and with the money that comes in. And, and we have to sometimes make decisions uh, based on that. 
because we, we live in a natural world too. I wasn't doing it in doubt or unbelief. I wasn't doing it in a lack of faith. I'm just doing it because there's a natural side to things as well. And when we have to pay certain things, we have to look to see what we can pay and what we can't pay. Uh, and I heard the word of the Lord come to me very clearly. Out of my spirit, it rose up. And this is what he said to me. I hope you're listening. And, I, and, and show reverence and honor because this is not a normal sermon and like I'm just teaching you simple words. This is God speaking to me and I'm telling you what he said because it was for you as much as it was for me. He said these words. Don't ever let go the place that you are occupying in the spirit. Don't ever let go the place that you are occupying in the spirit. And in my mind, I said, Lord, am I doing that? And he answered me and said, yes, you are. And then he said these words to me. You can look at your budget, son, to see where you can tighten and that's natural wisdom. But the danger is that it will try to pull you into the natural mental realm and cause you to let go and give up the ground that you have hard fought to take in the spirit. Hmm. You can look at your budget to see where you can tighten, but that's natural wisdom. And the danger is that it will try to pull you into the mental, natural mental arena, natural mental realm, and cause you to let go and give up the ground you have hard fought to take in the spirit. That's how he phrased it. What you're doing, son, is relaxing your grip in faith. But I told you not to be weary and not to relax your grip. For if you, for you would reap in due season if you do not faint. So let's have a look at that. And I'll explain it to you as I go. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And the Bible says these words, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Now, I like the fact that it's right after verse 8. I believe there's a connection here. Verse 8, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. In other words, and we know from, from Romans 6 verse 8, to be spiritually minded is peace, to be carnally minded is death. So corruption and death. So we see those two, Romans 8, 6 and Galatians 6, 8, they work together. They're both talking about uh, walking and thinking fleshly thoughts, sowing to the flesh versus sowing to the spirit. Now, if Romans 8 specifically talks about the thought life being spiritually minded. Galatians 6 is more talking in a general sense. It doesn't just specify your thought life because it says here in general, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. So in other words, he's saying walk in the spirit, be in the spirit. And of course, if you interpret it with Romans 8, think Mental thoughts, have your thoughts in line with the thoughts of God's word and the thoughts of the Holy Ghost authors and spiritual thinking. If you'll do this, if you'll be a spiritual person, that's the synopsis, you will reap life. 
Life is everything you need from God, the Zoe life of God. And now he continues that same thought of reaping, being spiritual, will reap. Are you following me? Galatians 6, verse 8, if you're spiritual, you're going to reap life. Good things. Now, verse 9, same thought continues. Let us not be weary in well-doing. So really what he's saying is, if you take it in context with the previous verse, let us not be weary in being spiritual. Because when you're well-doing, you're being spiritual. Let us not be weary in well-doing or being spiritual, being spiritually minded, sowing to the spirit. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. He just said you'd reap life. The previous verse, now he's saying you're going to reap if you don't faint. So there is a element of don't be weary in being spiritual. Well-doing is really what we could say being a spiritual person, doing what God wants us to do, which is being spiritually minded and sowing to the spirit. Don't be weary in well-doing. Now, I've preached recently of what that word weary means. Don't be weary in well-doing. And that word really, what it means is to relax. That word, don't be weary, it literally means to let go or relax. That word faint, the same thing. It means to relax. Now, there are different words, but what, when you are weary, the result is you're going, if you don't watch it, you're going to faint. Now, really, the word weary technically means faint. If you look up the word weary in the Greek, in the, in the Greek lexicon, let us not be weary in well-doing, for, we, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But the word weary means to be weak or to faint. So what he's saying here is let us not faint, for in due season if we, if we for let us not be, let us not faint, let us not be weary, let us not faint in our spirituality, for in due season we will reap or, or get what, the victory that we need if we don't faint. So he's saying, let us not faint, for if we keep going, we'll reap if we don't faint. But that second word, faint, is not really translated, it's faint, but it's better translated, relax. So what he's saying here is, let us not, let us not faint in being spiritual, for in due season we will reap if we relax not. So he's saying, listen, there's an element here of fainting and there's an element here of relaxing. If you relax your grip, there's going to come a fainting. If you relax your grip on things, you're not going to reap because you're going to let go, you're going to go backwards and what's going to happen is it's going to there's a, there's a fainting that's going to start to come to you. So what is Paul saying? Be spiritual. I don't want you to faint, but the key to not fainting is don't relax. That's really the summary of what he's saying in the original language. I want you to be spiritual, and there's going to be an opportunity to faint, but I don't want you to faint. Instead, keep pressing forward. Don't relax your grip. If you don't relax your grip and you keep pressing, you'll reap. But if you relax your grip and you stop pressing, you're going to faint. I don't want you to faint. Therefore, don't relax. I don't want you to lose. Therefore, don't relax. Don't relax your grip. Relaxing the grip equals quitting. Fainting means to quit. So when you relax your grip on something, when you relax your pushing forward in faith on something, it is going to equate to 
a quitting or a fainting or a failure. Are you following me? Relaxing, laying back, well, what's the big deal? Well, don't you understand there's so much pressure? Look at what everybody else is doing. Oh my gosh, this is such a bad scenario. That's relaxing. That is not pressing forward in faith. That is letting go of what you had grabbed. Now, if you relax your grip, if you let it go, the result is you're going to quit or faint. So a, an attitude of not pushing forward causes a failure in receiving what God's promised you. But a pushing forward attitude, not relaxing, a pushing forward. Being spiritual is to push forward. Being carnal is to relax. Being spiritual is to strive ahead and say, I'm not letting go of what God promised me. Being carnal being not spiritual, being carnal, is to relax, oh, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, the people that do that, they faint, they quit, they fail. But the people that do the other, that don't let go, they reap, they get something from God. Now, you say, Pastor, what's the context of why God said that to you? Because the context, let me tell you so you understand. We have a budget of 30000 And so I went to our accounting department, and I said to them, we need to create an emergency budget. I want to know everything that is not absolutely necessary. Take it out so I know what our survival budget basically is. What do we need just to keep the doors open? Because in a season like this, that people are getting laid off and da-da-da-da-da, chances are we're going to believe God for more, like he told me, but there's a natural realm we have to consider and we have to look at what we're going to pay and what we're going to do with, with, you know, all the different responsibilities that are on the ministry. So I said, let, so pull out everything that is not absolutely critical and give me a survival or an emergency budget that I could work with. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. And I don't even feel God told me that what I did was wrong because there is a natural part to play where you have to, you have to consider things. And so they reworked the budget down from our budget of 30000 And uh, I thought it would be 1000 and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars less. And it actually wasn't. It surprised me. It was quite small, the difference between what is absolutely necessary and then the extra items that we have in there that are that we could probably do without. Now, we can't do without it if the church is functioning normally, but we can do without it when there's no services. For example, you know, we don't have to buy as many office supplies because we're not in here working. We don't have to buy snacks for the kids in KOP because they're not here playing and they don't need that. We don't need to buy as much toilet paper and as much, uh, you know, stuff for cleaning products and because there's nobody here. There's no need to clean the building. There's nobody here right now. So there are some areas, you know, that we, we have, sometimes we have to, you know, do this thing or we have to, you know, pay that or maybe we have a staff meeting and I know it's tiny, but, you know, we buy, we buy the staff a coffee or something at the staff meeting. Well, they're not having staff meetings, so there's no need to buy them coffee. That doesn't come to very much money, but I think you understand the point I'm saying. We looked at all the things that normally we need when we're in normal operation and now we don't need because we're not in normal operation and we pulled them all out of the budget temporarily. I thought it would be a big drop. It was actually quite a small drop. So really, we still, we still needed almost a little bit less, but virtually almost all of what our original budget was. So that was a little bit discouraging because I thought we would really see a big drop. Okay. So, uh, so I, I got that number now that I know the minimum bare, bare bones number. If we don't get this, we're in the red. 
And so I've been saying to myself, now listen closely because I'm going to teach you something of how the realm of the spirit works and how God thinks. So I've been saying to myself, uh, well, Lord, you told me that we would have all that we would normally have and more. So I'm holding to that and I thank you for that. Now, Lord, I do know the bare minimum number that we need to survive. So the very, the least we need is this, but I'm expecting and I'm believing you for more than what we would normally get. Now, all of that on the surface is 100% right. But let me teach you what happens if you're not skillful and if you're not careful. Even though my confession is right, and even though there's nothing wrong with, with counting the cost. Jesus said, you're going to build a tower, count the cost. There's nothing wrong with figuring out, can you tighten? Nothing wrong with that. And my confession is right because I'm, sta I'm saying, Lord, I'm believing you for this. But, you know, I know I have this base number here, but I'm not letting go. I'm believing you for this. But let me teach you something of what happens here. And this is, what's, this is the part that's dangerous. Even though there's nothing wrong with looking at that, and there is a natural realm to consider, by knowing that, here's the danger. My thoughts and therefore my believing because your believing will follow your thinking. As a, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, that's, that's where your faith is. Out of the abundance of the heart um, uh, that comes out of the mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. So really it says, as a man thinks in his heart. Now we add the other verse. And out of the abundance of that heart that he speaks, he is. As a man thinks in his heart, he is. As a man thinks in his heart, and out of that abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, he becomes whatever that is. So whatever you're thinking is going to go down into your heart. And then out of the abundance of that, what's in your heart, which came because of your thinking, that's why it's so important to think spiritually. Because out of the abundance, out of your thinking, as a man thinks in his heart, out of the, the thoughts that go down in your heart, there's going to be an abundance of things in your heart because of your thoughts. And then out of the, that abundance, you're going to speak. And then what, what you say is what you're going to have. Out of the, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But now add in the confession part, as a man thinks in his heart and out of the abundance of the heart that he speaks, so is he. So if you're thinking about something, it's going to get down in your heart. And if, you think, and if it's, and you're thinking about a lot and it's in your heart a lot, it's going to come, start coming out of you. So while my confession was right, and Lord, I'm believing you that we're going to have more than, than you said would have more, no loss, more than we need in this season, because I have looked at some bare bone minimums, which is not necessarily wrong to do. There's some natural wisdom there, but here's the danger. If I, if I allow the, those thoughts on these minimums, if I'm thinking about them more then I'm thinking about we're going to have more than more than we've normally had. If I'm thinking about, well, uh, thank God, okay, it's a little bit lower, not much, but at least we only need this amount. If I'm thinking about that more, then I'm thinking about, well, we're going to have more than enough. If, if, if that thought is more prevalent than that thought, then in my heart, there's an abundance in my heart based on my thinking, based on my meditation, which is a mental meditation, but it gets down into your heart, where now what's coming out of me in terms of my believing, because as I believe in my heart, so have I spoken. So now, even though I'm technically making the right confession, what's coming out of me, what I'm believing now is going to line up with the abundance. So my believing is going to be more in tune with the bare minimum than it is with the more than enough. Are you following me? It's a very, 
I know you say some of it's semantics, but it's not. I, I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I'm trying, and I know the Holy Ghost is here helping me. So let me just, I, I'm rephrasing it because I want you to catch what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with doing a budget or even reworking a budget. God didn't say that that was wrong. But when he's given you a word over here, and now you're thinking, and now you've doing, done this thing over here, it's not wrong, but it's dangerous because it's going to draw your thoughts to that because that's easier, that's less, that requires less faith to get that number than it does to have more than we would normally have. So your thinking starts to lean toward here. Now apply this to your life and your personal budget. Your thinking starts to lean toward here. So you're thinking about that more than you're thinking about the going over. You might be confessing both technically, but you're meditating more on that. Why? Because it's easier, it's less. You don't have to use as much faith for it. It's more comfortable. It's not as much of a stretch. So you're, you're thinking about that more. Now that thought starts to become into your heart. Now there's more of an abundance in your heart about that than that. Now your believing leans more to that than that. Now you, your confession at first is equal, but your believing, it doesn't really, your confession is important, but you've got to believe. Otherwise what you say won't happen anyway. If you don't believe what you're saying, what you say doesn't matter. It's not going to happen for you. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says you must believe and what you ever see, you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that you say will come to pass, but you got to first believe it. The saying doesn't matter if you don't believe it. So your confession might even sound right to other people, but if the meditation of your mind and your heart is more leaning in one direction, that is where your believing is leaning in that direction. And that's what was happening with me. Nothing wrong with doing the natural side of things to, to use common sense, nothing wrong with that. But, if, but the danger is my mind will be pulled in that direction. My meditation of my heart will be pulled in that direction. And consequently, now here's the kicker, my believing will start to be pulled in that direction. And it might sound good from the outside because my confession thus far is equal. Lord, well, Lord, I'm believing you for that. Now, thank God we're going to get this minimum, but I am believing you for that. Now, that's my confession is right. But if the meditation and the believing in my heart is leaning and favoring one side over the other, then this is what happens. I start to let go. The grip in faith that I have held on that, I start to let go that grip. I start to relax that grip in favor of this and I start to grab that more. Now, whatever I'm grabbing more is what's gonna happen. So if I start grabbing that lower number more, guess what? That's the number that's gonna come into the church. But if I start grabbing a hold of that number, that, that promise of more, then guess what? That's what's gonna come into the church. And you say, but, but, but what about natural circumstances? There's, there's a turn down, there's people, but that's got nothing to do with it because God can speak to people anywhere on this planet. There's 7 billion people. He can speak to people to give and to make up <clears throat> if the congregation are doing their best but are not able to make it because they can only tithe on what they're earning. <clears throat> and maybe they don't have the faith to give extra offerings. I don't know. But my point is, I'm not bound to the congregation alone in the four walls of this church and who's on our membership list. I'm not bound to that source alone. God has other ways that he can get the money to us. My point is not about where the money's coming from. That's not on my side. Remember, I preached two days ago. That's not on my side. That's on God's side. My job is not to worry where the money's coming from. My job is to use my faith and believe for what God has said. God didn't say that number, that lower number. That is what we come up with as an emergency. God said, 
that he will have more. God said that number. Now, if I meditate and think more on this number than that number, even though I'm confessing, the, I'm confessing right, but if my meditation, if my spiritual thinking, if, if my mind is focusing more on that, my heart will attach to that. My heart will start believing for that. And what I'll do is I'm t- tightening my grip on that. But if I'm not meditating and thinking as much on this, this number, the higher number, my heart is not meditating on that. My heart is, is not as focused on that. I'm not leaning in that direction. So what happens is I lessen that grip a little bit because I'm tightening here, but I'm lessening here. And if I'm relaxing that grip, what's happening? That's what that word said. You will reap if you relax not. If you keep relaxing, you're going to quit. You're going to faint. Now, if I keep relaxing that and I tighten here, what's happening? I am going to faint and not reap when it comes to that number. Now, I'll tighten up on here and I will reap when it comes to this number, but I have lessened the grip, relaxed the grip. I'm not pressing anymore on this number. So what am I going to get? Which number am I going to get? I'm going to get the one that I've got my grip on. I'm not going to get the one that I've lessened my grip on. And that's what God was saying to me. And he was disappointed because he doesn't want me to lose ground. Don't ever let the place, don't ever let go the place that you are occupying in the spirit. We, I have been taking hold in my faith, a place in the spirit called 35,000 a week and 350 adult members. That's my faith goal. That's what I am in the process of occupying. Do I have it? No. What have I occupied? Past tense. I've occupied 318 and 30,000. I got that. But now, he said, in this season, I want you to reach out and I want you to now begin to believe me, tighten your grip of faith on 35 and 350. That's what I want. That's what God told me. So now I've got his his authority to do that. He's led me. That means my measure of faith is strong enough for that or he wouldn't have led me because he leads me according to my measure. He won't lead me beyond it. He won't lead me into failure. So I am, I am, I've occupied just over 330,000. Now I am in the process. Listen, I'm in the process of occupying. What does that mean? The way Pastor Nancy would say it is reach out and grab it. You might only just have it just, you may not even have a full solid grip on it. You might just have it a little bit, but start pulling it towards you in faith. Start pulling it towards, it's going to take some time, but start pulling it. How do you do that? With your confession, with your believing, with your meditation, and with acts of faith if he tells you to do something, and start pulling it towards you. And, and, and the closer it gets, the stronger your grip gets on that, and you pull it. Now, you haven't got it yet, and it's not physically manifesting all the time, but you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer, and the money is going, if it's money that you're believing for, it's going, the money is getting more and more. If it's symptoms and health, the symptoms are getting less and less, whatever the scenario is, victory is becoming more and more and more until now you say, I got it. Not just by faith. You've got it by faith out there. You've laid hold of it. But now once it's close to you, now it's actually manifesting in the natural realm. You can see it with your eyes. Your five physical senses are, are acknowledging it. And it's now finally come to pass. When you've got it this close, you've got it now. It's done. Now God will never let you stay there. He'll say, now reach out and take hold of another faith goal and start pulling that towards you. So for about two years, a year and a half, two years, I've reached out for 30 and 318. And I've been pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. And by 
the end of December, because he said, I expected by the end of the year, thank God we obeyed him. By the end of the year, I, I got it to my breast now. Now it's actually manifested. We did the averages of the, of the whole year. Some were lower, some were higher, but on average, we came to literally 30,000. I think within $20 of 30,000 a week. So that, and we had 324 people in total as of December 31st. So I had, it had manifested to me, you know, not a lot of excess there, but what I believe for had manifested. Now, now I've got it. Now my faith muscle is not operating anymore because I'm not pulling. So if I don't reach out and grab something else and start to pull, my faith muscle will get weak. So God said, now reach out for 35,000 a week and 350, reach out and take that now. So I did January. I reached out and I took that and I've been, it's kind of on the far side, but I've been, I, I grabbed it. I have grabbed it. It has not manifested yet because I'm pulling it by faith. It's not going to show up to thy senses until I got it here, but it's going to build and build and build. And the numbers are going to start going up and the money's going to start going up and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming. And I don't know how long it'll take. It took about a year and a half, two years for the other one. It might not, hopefully it won't take that long for this one. I don't, I had in my spirit, I don't sense it will take that long. So I'm pulling that. Now here's the danger. I have been holding this hanky, let's say represents 35,000 and 350. Let's say that represents that. Now I've, I'm on a strong, long outstretch because I, I mean, I've just, I've just got it. I, I'm not even here yet. I'm not even here. I'm way out there. I've just laid hold of it. And my faith is pulling it toward me. Now, what is that called? I have laid hold of something in the spirit. I am occupying. It's not occupied until it gets here, but I am occupying a place. I'm in the process of it coming to pass. I'm in the process of possessing that promise. Uh, the promise is 35 and 350. Okay. So I'm in the process of doing that. I am in the process of occupying and I'm in the process. There's momentum that's being built and I'm pulling it toward me. Now watch this. We're here. I've just laid hold of it January. I might've pulled it in just maybe an inch. How many inches from there to here? There's at least two feet, maybe at least two feet. So I might have, out of, let's say, 25 inches, give or take, I might have pulled it in one inch. I might have just one twenty-fifth accomplished. I've still got to keep pulling, 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 until I, until it's got, until I got it. Then I'm going to reach out for the next thing. But I've only pulled it maybe an inch or half an inch. I mean, I just got laid hold on it was enough of faith, and then I'm just pulling it a little bit. Now, as soon as I start pulling that, guess what happens? Coronavirus, people lost their jobs. No more services. Will people give? So what do I do? I'm being transparent because I'm trying to teach you something. What do I do? I say, well, I'm mentally still in agreement that we're going to have more. What is the more? 35,000 a week. I'm going to have more. But now I'm going to consider some of these things because it, there's some natural wisdom we have to follow. Now I can do that natural wisdom as long as I keep my thoughts my meditation, my focus, and my grip on this. But what is the tendency with humans to do is when you start considering a lesser, what happens is this. You lessen, relax your grip on what you were believing for, and you start taking the grip on the lesser. Why? Because it's easier to believe for less than it is for more. Your mind can figure it out more. It's less, it's easier, it's not as much of a push of faith. 
So it's easier on your flesh because your flesh doesn't want to believe God. Your flesh just wants to relax and not believe anything. So it's easier to do this. And so what was happening in the realm of the spirit is I have been, I've pulled it an inch and I've got a good grip on this. But because my attention is looking, because of the scenario we're facing, my attention glances down. I tell myself it's okay because it's natural wisdom and there's a, there's a truth to that. But now what God expects me to do is look right back here and not let go. But it's human nature to take the easy path of less resistance. So I kind of, I'm looking there, I'm looking there more than I'm looking here. I'm doing this more frequently than I'm doing this. And my thoughts and my meditation means I'm laying hold of that. And what happens? I'm starting to relax the grip here. And the Lord saw, see, I didn't even realize that was happening because thank God for the Holy Ghost. That's the whole point. The Holy Ghost knows when we're messing up. He tells us even when we don't even know we're messing up. I'm not doing it maliciously or doing anything wrong. But the Holy Ghost saw, you got it, son. You might have only pulled it an inch, but it will come to pass. Your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But you're lessening. Why are you lessening? Because your thoughts are on something lesser. And it's lessening this grip. And if you keep doing it, you're going to let it go. And then when all this is over and the church is back to normal and now this emergency budget is thrown out and you're back to the original budget of 30,000, but you've let go the 35, you're gone backwards. Now you're going to have to start again because now that 30 that you were believing for before, you haven't been using your faith even for the 30. You've been leaving your faith for less. So now you're going to have to start pulling. The 30 might be closer within your grasp, but you're going to have to take some time to catch up, to gain lost ground in the spirit. Now you're going to have to take some time and just believe me for the 30. And then once that comes in, because you're believing me for less, so you've lost ground. But now once that comes in, then you're going to have to reach out again. You're going to have to take hold of the 35 again. And then you're going to, have to start pulling that. But all time and momentum was lost because you lessened the grip and you held this instead. And that's what God was saying to me. I don't want you to lessen that grip and take hold of here. I want you to let go of this. I don't want you to even consider this. I don't want you to even look at that. I want you to keep your focus on what I told you because you're lessening the grip. Now, if you lessen the grip, what happens? You're going to faint, which is quitting, and you're not going to reap, which is victory. But if you'll hold fast the grip and don't relax the grip of faith, don't lose ground, hard fought in the spirit. Hold that grip. Hold it. Don't let it go. Lord, in my mind, I'm saying, but how do I do that, Lord? I know people aren't working. I know they're not giving. How do you? He said, don't consider. Don't consider the natural realm. Don't consider what people are doing. Don't consider all their problems. Don't consider what the offering is. You hold that grip, son, and you look to me. You look to me. You trust me against all odds and against all impossibilities. You look to me. I'm your source. I can touch somebody's heart to send you a check. I can touch another church to sow and to your church. I can do it a million ways. You're trying to figure it out. Don't figure it out. You just preached what Dr. Dufresne said. It's not on your side where the money comes. It's on God's side. Your side is to trust him. But son, you got to live it. You got to believe it and live it. You're starting to let go now and take hold. Let that go and hold that grip. Don't let go. Tighten. What I've done is I've started to do this with my hand. And he said, tighten that again. If you don't, you'll lose precious ground, hard fought 
in the spirit. You've occupied, you're occupying and you'll let it, if you let it go, you'll lose it. And then you'll have to take you longer to make it up. And then there'll be a delay in the vision and a delay at the church because now you believe me for less. And now when all this is over, you're going to have to eventually get back to that place. But if you never let go to begin with, you'd never have to make back up the ground because you'd never have lost the ground to begin with. Are you following me? That's what he said to me. Don't ever. That's how he said it. And he emphasized the word ever. Don't ever let go. The place that you are occupying in the spirit. You can look at your budget to see where you can tighten, but that's natural wisdom. And by the way, James says that natural wisdom is enmity against God. And the, but the danger is that it will try to pull you into the natural mental realm and cause you to let go, relax, and give up the ground you have hard fought to take in the spirit. What you're doing is relaxing your grip in faith. But I told you, not to be weary and not to relax your grip, Galatians 6, 9. For you will reap in due season if you don't let go and relax that grip and don't faint and don't quit. If you relax it, you quit. If you don't relax it, you will reap. And he emphasized the word will. You will reap. And in my mind, I'm saying, how, how, Lord, how? You see what's happening around us? He don't care what's happening around us. He says, believe me and only believe. Remember I preached two days ago? Only believe. Nothing else. No other comments. That's why I've stopped watching the news. The Holy Ghost told me, stop watching the news. And people are sending me all these things from other Christian leaders. The Lord said, don't listen to any of them. Now listen, I'm not judging you. You do whatever you want, but I'm telling you at a time, you better listen to me if you've got any brains, listen to me. At a time when your faith is being tested and there is a test and a trial, that is not the time to listen to varied voices. That is not the time to have a, a, a large volume of other, other types of gospel, other types of faith, other types of believing. It's not the time for varied spiritual nutrition. It will cause confusion and you will lessen your grip. It's also not the time to be meditating on what the world says. I'm telling you, I turned on the news and I heard the Holy Ghost say, turn it off. And I said, but Lord, there's nothing wrong with me knowing what's going on. He said, it will hurt your faith. Turn it off. He's not interested in my mind knowing the update. He's interested in my faith. Why? Because only believe. The only thing that matters is believing. And anything that will hurt the believing, cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. For me, he said, don't you look at that television, that those news broadcasts. The only thing that matters is your faith and it will hurt your faith. And then these people sending me this person saying this and this minister, and I think the ministers in and of themselves are great. But it's another diet. It's not the spirit of faith that Dad Hagen and Dr. Dufresne and Kenneth Copeland and Jerry Savelle and Randy Greer and Lester Sumrall and Smith Wigglesworth, it's not the spirit of faith that those men have. They're, these ministers aren't saying wrong things, but they don't have the same diet that I have. They don't have the same spirit on them that is on me and that is on my heritage. And the Lord said, don't even listen to it. So stop sending me things, people. Stop emailing me. Stop texting me. Stop WhatsApping me. What every other minister under the sun is saying, because you know what? 
I just want you to know up front, I ain't listening to it and I ain't watching it. And you say, wow, that's so narrow-minded and tunnel vision. Yeah, you know why? Because it's going to hurt my faith. The only thing I can have at this moment is something feeding my faith. Seeing what the world says hurts my faith. Listening to what other ministers say, if they're not saying it with the same spirit of faith and spiritual diet that I'm accustomed to, will hurt my faith. What matters is faith, nothing else. That's why he said, only believe. Do not be afraid. Only believe, Jairus. So, hallelujah. <laughs> so, he caught me with my hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> Luke, a while ago, was, I saw the cookie box open. I said, Lukey, what's going on him and Caleb? I said, you guys eat that? No, no, Daddy. No, no, no. But I saw a little brown crumb here on Caleb's cheek. Luke was smart enough at four to wipe his mouth. But Caleb was so enjoying the cookie, he forgot to wipe. <laughs> he forgot to wipe his mouth. And, and I said, now, Kaylee, son, you know, you don't lie about anything, but you especially don't lie about little things, but don't lie about nothing, son. Nothing's worth lying about. But if you took the cookie, just tell Daddy you ate the cookie. I know you ate the cookie. No, I didn't. I, and then I put the crumb up and I said, evidence. Proof. And then he said, yeah, daddy, I did. I'm sorry. I thought you'd get mad at me. I said, I'm more mad at you for lying than I am for taking the cookie. So you see, sometimes we put our hand in the cookie jar, we get caught. We think we're getting away with something easy. It's easy and delicious to take a cookie. And I think I'm getting away with something easy. It's easy and delicious to believe for less because it takes less from me. It's easier on my flesh to not be pressed as much and, and believe for less. Got my hand in the cookie jar. And now the Holy Ghost says, son, you're done doing what I told you to do? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. No, son, you got a crumb on your lip. Oh, I've been caught, Father. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. Because if I let go this in favor of that, I'll lose ground hard fought in the spirit. I am in the process of occupying something, promise of life. And whether you realize it or not, well, hopefully you do realize it, you're occupying it with me. You're believing for the church as a whole, and as a result, it's helping you to believe for your personal budget, your job, your business, and your family. Because as you believe what, for God to do stuff in, the, in, the, in promise of life as a, as, at, in, at large, as a corporation at large, you'll also, it'll also help you release your faith for your personal finances and your personal family. So you are taking hold with me in the realm of the spirit for 35,000 a week and 350. Now, if we start lessening that, relaxing that grip in favor of the cookie, in favor of the easy, favor of something simple, favor of something less, what's going to happen is we're going to drop it. We're going to get that. But when all this is over, it's going to now, we're going to have lost ground. We're going to take longer now to build back up the momentum in faith and to lay hold of it again. And we will be behind and God will be displeased because he expects more skill than that. Don't ever let go the place you are occupying in the spirit. You hold it, son. But Lord, I don't, don't tell me, but don't tell me what the people are giving. That is not your concern. You hold it and I will do the rest. My God, 
It's so easy and so joyful, but we got to make a decision to hold it. So listen, I know some of you are on half, you're on different pay, some of you have lost, some of you, nothing's changed, your jobs are the same. But don't let go with me for the 35 and, and 350, but for you and your personal life, don't let go what God has promised you. Don't let it go for a lesser. Don't let it go for something that's easier to believe for and delicious like a cookie. Doesn't take as much. It doesn't, it doesn't produce in your body what a good, nice salad would produce, that cookie. It's easier and it's less prep. It's easier and it's less and it's more delicious. But what you've got is something healthier that will actually help your body when you eat healthy. Use the analogy with the finances. Don't believe for the lesser. Believe for the right. Believe for what's healthy. Believe for what God told you. Believe for what God said. Don't let it go. Don't ever lose ground that you are occupying in the spirit. Don't let it go. God does not like people that back up. He wants people to press forward. My God. And then he said these words to me. I'm going a little bit later tonight because I have to finish this and it's taking a little bit longer than I originally thought. But you just, if you have to leave, then come back and watch the archive later. But I have to keep going for a little bit longer. I'm going to be done at about nine o'clock. So if you can't wait that long, then just later on finish up. But, but make sure you listen. I want you to hear everything I'm saying. But I'm going to go to about nine o'clock, another 30 minutes. Because you need to hear this. I'm not done. And believe me, you don't want to miss what I'm about to say. Now, he said these words, the next paragraph. He said, after he said this, what you're doing is relaxing your grip in faith, but I told you not to be weary and not to relax your grip for if you would reap in due season if you don't faint, Galatians 6, 9. Then he said these words, I have committed to you that I would not relax my grip. I expect the same commitment from you to me. Whew. You say, where's that found? Well, that's one of the five scriptures that God gave me in 2000 and I believe it was 17, 2017, when we were, to, when we were talking a lot about the mantle and God gave me those scriptures about Joshua. So let me read it to you if that would be okay. It's in the book of Joshua chapter one and verse five. And it says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. This is one of the five promises that he gave me in a supernatural visitation toward the latter part of 2017. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Now, the word fail thee is the Hebrew word to lessen the grip or to slacken. And the word forsake thee is the word to loose completely, to let go completely, to relinquish, to leave destitute. So this is what he's saying. There's two pictures here. He says, I will not fail thee and I will not forsake thee. That's a promise God gave to me, one of the five verses that he gave me in Joshua. He said, I will not fail thee or forsake thee. But the word fail means I won't lessen or slacken my grip. And the word forsake means I won't let you go. So what God is saying is not only am I never going to let you go, but I won't even lessen my grip on you. Forget about letting you go. That'll never happen. But more than that, I will always maintain pressure. I will always hold you fast. I will never let go my slack and my grip to sustain you and to help you and to protect you and to cause you victory. 
<laughs> now, I know that because I've meditated on that for a long time, and I know that fail means to relax the grip and forsake means to let go entirely. So when God said those words to me, when he said that phrase to me, I have committed to you that I will not relax my grip. I expect the same commitment from you to me. What God is saying is, son, I already told you, not only am I never letting you go, I won't even lessen my grip. I've got you. Now I'm expecting the same commitment from you. Don't you let go of what I've promised you and in favor of something lesser that requires less faith. You hold to what I've told. I'm not letting go of you. Don't you let go of your faith. My God. My God. And then he said these words to me. Furthermore, did you notice that I told them this was the land of their possession to enjoy? And so I went in my Bible and I read there about what Joshua said to the people. Now, if it's okay with you, what I'd like to do is read this to you, please, in the, in the Amplified Version, because it, it, it makes it a little bit easier to understand. This is Joshua chapter 1, and, uh, and I'm going to start, you know, those five verses. I'm not going to go into them right now, but Joshua chapter 1, look at verse 10 now. I'm going to read it to you now from the Amplified Classic, because the Amplified helps you understand it a little bit better than the King James now. Now, don't, don't let go. I know I've been going about 55 minutes or so, but just hold fast, okay, because you've got to hear the rest of this. Now, now watch that. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, verse 10, saying, pass through the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you'll pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving, is giving you to possess. And he says, by faith, I have given it to you. But now they're actually, now they're actually walking out that faith statement by faith, he has given it, but now they're walking out and they're in the process of actually possessing what by faith he's already given them. He has done it, but now they're walking out and actually in the natural, it's manifesting to them. That's why it's listed in present tense. That the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess, verse 12, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember what Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is giving you of these two and a half tribes, a place of rest, and I will give you this land east of the Jordan. That's where the sun rises in the east. So these, these tribes here, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh, two and a half tribes, their land was already taken. They've already possessed their land because they're, the land that all the army is sitting on is their land. Now the army is going to cross the Jordan and go in and take the rest of the land, including Jericho. But these people already got their land because their land's on the east of Jordan. They're about to cross and go west of Jordan. So what he's saying here is, boys, Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, I know you've already got your land, but you can't just sit here and, and watch us go. You must still come and fight with your brothers because while you've got your land, the rest of them don't got theirs yet. I want you to come and fight with them and help them possess what you've already possessed. Help them get their land. Then you can come back and enjoy your land. That's the simple summary of what's happening here. Your wives, your little ones, verse 14, and your cattle shall dwell in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. In other words, your wives and kids don't have to come. Let them stay here. But all your mighty men of valor shall pass on with your brethren, uh, with the other tribes, armed, and help them possess their land. Uh, verse 15, watch. Until the Lord gives your brethren rest as he has given you, and they also possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. 
Then you will return to the land of your possession and possess it, the land Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the sunrise side of Jordan, the east side. They answered Joshua, all that you command us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. As we hearken to Moses in all things, so we will hearken to you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and will not hearken to all that you have commanded him shall be put to death. Only be strong, vigorous, and of a good courage. Now, I want to read just one section of that, what I just read you here, verse 15, in the, so you understand what's happening. He's saying, you guys have got your land and you've possessed it. Now, they're going to possess theirs. Now, this is a place God's giving us all of rest. You already have yours. They don't have theirs. Come fight with them. Help them get theirs and then come back to yours. But watch verse 15 in the King James. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which, the, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this Jordan side toward the sun rising. Watch the phrase here. They also have, and they also go and help until they also have possessed the land which the Lord God gives them. Now watch. Then you will return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. Now, that word enjoy doesn't just mean enjoy the way we think. It actually means to possess or to take ownership of or to drive out the inhabitants. So what is Joshua saying? He says, guys, go help these guys to get theirs. And now you come over into the land of your possession and you continue to possess it. They have got most of it but they have to continue until it's 100% in their name, so to speak. And they've driven out all the inhabitants. These people are going, they're in the process of occupying their land. You've occupied part already, but when you've helped them, you're going to come back and you're going to continue occupying, and the, and the King James word is enjoying, the land that God's given you. Now, I say that to say this. This is what the Lord said to me. He said, furthermore, did you notice that I told them this was the land of their possession to enjoy? They were in the process of occupying it. And I expected them to push forward, not lessen their grip and go backwards. He's giving me this story as scriptural backup to what he said to me. He's saying to them, listen, guys, you're in the process of occupying and possessing the land and enjoying it. But don't let go. Get up, go fight with your brethren, help them, and then come back and finish your occupation. Because when God's moving, he doesn't expect you to lighten up, lessen up, back up, sit down, quit, faint. He doesn't expect that. No, he is expecting us to move forward. Now watch the sentence, carefully listening. He's expecting us to move forward and continue occupying what we've started. Now take that to the spiritual realm. God said to me, what's the first thing he said? Don't ever let go the place that you are occupying in the spirit. You don't have the 35 and the 350. It hasn't manifested yet, but you are pulling it towards you in the spirit. Don't lessen your grip. Hold fast. Keep believing me despite contradictory circumstances, despite coronavirus, despite all of what's going on. Keep believing me. And now he's using the parallel. I told them as they were in the process of occupying physical land, press forward. Don't lessen 
Don't back up. I'm telling you, as you are in the process of occupying this place in the spirit, as you're in the process of occupying this financial and this church growth, which first starts in the spirit, then manifests in the natural, you're in the process of occupying. Don't let it go. I told them, keep going forward. I'm telling you, keep going forward. I told them, don't lessen your grip. I'm telling you, don't lessen your grip. You're in the process of occupying. They were in the process of occupying. It's a perfect parallel. My God. Now, I'm almost done. Let me, let me continue. Furthermore, did you notice that I told them this was the land of their possession to enjoy? That means to continue occupying. They were in the process of occupying it, and I expected them to push forward, not lessen their grip and go backwards. So, listen, I told you to believe me. He said this to me, guys. I'm not making this up. He said this to me this afternoon in prayer. So I told you to believe me for 350 and 35,000. I expect you to push forward and not lessen your grip and go backwards. You're in the process of occupying that. Don't look to the left or to the right or be distracted or concerned. What was he referring to? Coronavirus. Only believe. Only believe. So I told you to believe me for 350 and 35,000 a week. I expect you to push forward and not lessen your grip and go backwards. You're in the process of occupying, <coughs> occupying that. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right and be distracted or concerned. He's talking about the situation we're in. <coughs> believe me, only believe. Only believe. Woo, my God. My God, my God, God took the rod to me today, but not in to hurt me or beat me. He was trying to help me. He saw I was in need of rescue. He saw I was favoring the cookie for the salad. He saw I was favoring what takes less faith and is easier than what takes more faith because my meditation was on one more than the other. He saw I was lessening a grip. And if I kept going the way I was going, I would let it go altogether and just grab a hold of that. Not sure we would have got that. But then I would have lost hard-fought ground in the spirit and it would have delayed me having to make it back later this year. And God does not want us to back up. Then he gives me a scripture, proves it from the Bible and says, I told them, keep moving forward. Even the ones that already had part of their land occupied, this two and a half tribes, they've already kind of, they, they, they've got a good grip on it. It's their land. I still said, come on, keep moving forward. Help your brothers come back and complete your occupation process. This is your land of possession. Keep occupying. Don't back down. Don't sit down. Reubenites, Gadites, Half-Math, Tribe of Manasseh, this is not a time to sit down and relax and rest and sit on your haunches and say, ah, no more work to do. No, get up and fight. In other words, this is not a time to lessen your grip. You're in the process of occupying 35 and 350. Hold fast and move forward. Don't relax and go back. I gave you my word that I would never lessen my grip on you. I expect the same commitment that you will never lessen your grip on what I've asked you to believe me for. The people were told to move forward and continue occupying. I'm telling you, continue moving forward in the spirit and continue occupying that 35,350. And don't be distracted and don't be concerned. <coughs> Why? Because distraction, no services, lower money, people being laid off. That's all a distraction. Remember, be anxious for nothing. Anxious means distracted. Don't be concerned. Don't be anxious. Don't be distracted. He said it. 
Mm. Hallelujah. Now, let me finish with the last point he gave me. Point number one was don't let it go. Don't let go what you're occupying in the place of the Spirit. You've hard fought. Don't let it go. <clears throat> I want you to forget about this. You believe me for 35000 You believe me for three fifty. And don't be concerned or distracted about corona. It means nothing. You believe me. You believe me. Only believe. Don't look at the television. Don't listen to other ministers that are, don't have the spirit of faith. Believe me. Stay believing. Cut out anything that will hurt your faith. Just believe me. It will surely come to pass. You let it go. It'll take you longer to make up and you'll lose time and ground. I don't want that. The children of Israel were told to keep moving forward. I'm telling you, keep moving forward. So that was point number one was about don't let go. And then point number two was about the children of Israel. He used that to back up point number one. Now the last point, point number three. And this is very important. Oh my God, I'm telling you, this is very, very, very important. Did you notice that I also told the children of Israel that it would be a place of rest? I know my people need rest. Now, can I read that to you again? Because it was very clear in the Bible that this was a place of rest. Verse 13, remember the word which Moses, a servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. Now, verse 15, until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he has given you push forward and help them and then come back. I've already read that again. So verse 13 and verse 15 both talk about that God was giving them the land to possess, but it was also a land of rest. Praise God. And in the Amplified, I don't think it says it much differently. No, it says the same thing. Until the Lord gives your brethren rest as he's given you, and they also possess the land that the Lord is giving them, go and fight with them and then return to your land and continue possessing it. So I want you to notice that God called it a place of rest. <clears throat> he said, I'm giving you a place to possess, which takes faith of moving forward, but it's a place of rest. Now, the Lord showed me something I've never seen before that really blessed me, and I believe it will bless you too. Now, listen to this statement. This is very powerful. The Holy Ghost spoke this to me directly. Are you ready? Let me repeat. Did you notice that I told the children of Israel it would be a place of rest? So it's obviously a place of faith, but it's also a place of rest because it takes faith to not lessen your grip. It takes faith to keep moving forward. It takes faith to occupy. It takes faith to possess, but it's also a place of rest. So there's a connection between faith, using your faith to believe God, even in the face of impossible circumstances like coronavirus. I'm using my faith for 35,350, but as I'm doing that, a rest must also come. God knows we need it. Now watch this. Did you notice that I told the children of Israel it would be a place of rest? I know my people need rest. Now watch this statement. It's powerful. Fainting looks like rest, but it's not. It's failure. It's quitting. It's not possessing the promises. But pressing in faith will cause you to enter a place of real rest. This is true rest. It's the rest while you're pressing. It's the rest while you're laying hold. It's the rest that produces the victory. It's the rest that causes you to possess the land. Now watch now. It's the rest of assurance. 
that while you're standing and believing and doing your part, I am also doing my part in causing it to come to pass. What a statement. Fainting looks like rest. Oh, you ever see somebody faint? Woo. Yeah, they're lying on the floor. They're not making any motion. They're, they're passed out. It looks like they're resting, but fainting's not resting. Fainting's quitting. That's why he says in Galatians 6, 9, if you don't quit, you'll reap if you faint not. Remember the first one, don't be weary. It means don't faint. And then the second, the, the word faint actually means to relax. So if you relax your grip, you're going to become weak and you're going to quit. So fainting is quitting. Fainting is not victory. Fainting looks like rest because the person's lying there very peaceful. It looks like rest, but it's not rest. <coughs> That's what he said to me. Fainting looks like rest, but it's not. It's failure. It's quitting. It's not possessing and occupying the promises. But pressing, holding the grip, pressing in faith will cause you as you're pressed. Listen, have, Stay with me. As you're pressing, as you're pressing, as you're pressing, as you're holding the grip of faith, as you're pulling it towards you, as you're releasing your faith despite contradictory circumstances, as you're believing, not just for the 35 and the 350, but whatever your family needs, as you're believing, I'm using that because that's what I need. That's what I'm believing for the church. <clears throat> as you're believing for this 35 and 30, as you're pressing in faith, as you're pulling it towards you, as you're gaining ground, as you're occupying this thing, as you're pressing in faith, that's what you're doing. You're pressing in faith. What will happen? As you're doing that, you'll automatically enter into a place of rest as you press. God knows we need rest. But what faith will produce is true rest. Listen, holding fast the grip will produce true rest. Letting go and fainting looks like you're resting, but you failed. But holding fast, which does take some effort, it's a fight. It's a good fight of faith. Holding fast would take some effort and a good fight of faith. And pressing forward will actually produce real rest. Fainting looks like rest, but it's not. But it will produce a rest. Faith produces the true rest of God. As you're believing, you enter into a peace and they rest while you press. The press of faith produces a rest and a peace. A lot of people don't realize that. The press of faith, the occupying the place and not letting go and not lessening the grip, not relaxing the hold, it produces, <clears throat> it leads you into a place of rest. Pressing in faith causes you to enter into a place of rest. That is true rest. It's the rest while you're pressing. It's the rest while you're laying hold. It's the rest that produces victory. It's the rest that causes you to possess the land. <clears throat> it's the rest of assurance that while you're standing <coughs> and believing and doing your part, I'm also doing my part, causing it to all come to pass. My God, my God. Then he said two more statements. Tell the people, to pray more in the Holy Ghost because that's the answer to fainting. And he quoted me Jude 20. Beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. What is fainting? Getting weak, letting go of faith, dropping out. 
But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're building up your faith. Instead of your faith getting weak, lessening the grip, praying in tongues builds up your most holy faith. It makes it stronger. Instead of fainting, after you've relaxed, you faint. Build, praying builds up your holy faith and you push forward even stronger than before. That's what I heard him say. Tell the people to pray more in the Holy Ghost because that's the answer to fainting. I will strengthen them and I will help them. It will strengthen them and it will, praying in tongues, will help them get and stay in the Spirit so they can enter that place of rest and assurance and faith as they possess and enjoy what I've promised them. That's a very powerful phrase and it's the last phrase. Tell my people to pray more in the Holy Ghost because that's the answer to fainting. Praying in the Holy Ghost will strengthen and help them to get into and to stay in the Spirit. Get into the Spirit and stay in the Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, strengthens your faith so you don't let go and you don't quit and you don't faint. But it also helps you to get in the Spirit and stay in the Spirit. Why? So that as you push in faith and as you're in the Spirit, as you push in faith and as you're in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost builds up your faith, helps you with your, 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 your grip, it helps you push forward. And as you pray in tongues, it helps you press forward in faith. And it also helps you get in the Spirit because praying in the Spirit is a door of entry into the realm of the Spirit according to Dad Hagen and according to the Bible. So as you pray in tongues, it helps you press forward and get in the Spirit. Press forward in faith, get in the Spirit. Press forward in faith, get in the Spirit. Press forward in faith, get in the Spirit. Pray more in the Holy Ghost. It'll help you press forward in faith and it'll help you get in the Spirit. Now, when you're pressing in faith and you get in the Spirit, what happens? You enter that place of rest and assurance as you're pressing in, the, in your faith and as you're getting in the Spirit and tongues will help you do both. What happens? You enter a place of rest and assurance in faith as you are in the process of possessing and occupying and enjoying what I've promised them. So what is God telling us? Guys, don't let go. Hold fast despite contradictory circumstances. Look at the children of Israel. I told them, continue occupying. Don't let go. Now, I know you need rest. But quitting and let releasing your grip and fainting, that ain't rest. That's failure. But what you do instead is pray in the Holy Ghost more. Because as you're believing me, praying in the Holy Ghost will strengthen that believing, Jude 20. And as you're praying in the Holy Ghost, it will get you into the Spirit more. Now as you're strong in your believing and as you're in the Spirit, as you're pressing in faith, strong in your believing, and as you're entering in the Spirit more and staying there by praying in tongues, what'll happen? This amazing thing happens called, as you're pressing in faith and as you're in the Spirit, you enter into a place of faith rest. You're in a place of rest and assurance, knowing in faith, an assurance in faith that what you're believing for is going to happen, that God will come through, that he will do what he said he'll do, that he'll do his side because you're doing your side, and he will manifest that 35,000 and that 350. He'll manifest whatever it is. For me, it's that. But what is it? Whatever it is for you, you name it for you. He'll manifest whatever is your 35, 350. Praise God. Pressing in faith. Getting in the spirit by praying in tongues. Pressing in faith, stronger by praying in tongues because it strengthens the faith. Getting in the spirit because the Holy Ghost helps us get in the spirit when we pray in tongues causes that faith press and being in the spirit, you enter a place of divine rest and assurance. A peace comes that God will do his part because you're doing your part and it will all surely come to pass. So I, I wrote all that down and I said, Lord, thank you. 
I said, Lord, thank you. What a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing. You've given me my answer. Don't let go. Promise of life, we will have 350. Promise of life, we will have 35,000. I can't control exactly when it comes, but I guarantee you that this year we will have 35,000 a week by the end of this year. Why? Because I will not let go my faith. I decide to discard the cookie jar and what is easy, and I hold my confession, and I hold my believing. Hold with me. Don't let it go. You stand with me for 35. You stand with me for 350. If God tells you to sow more, obey him because that seed will open a harvest. If he doesn't tell you to sow more, then sow what you normally sow and give what you normally give and make sure you tithe. But we will have it if God has to raise up somebody from another country to send it, he will. But we will have it because I am not letting go. And it's going to help me to pray in tongues more because it will help strengthen my faith and my push and it will help get me in the spirit and I'll hit this sweet spot called rest. It's a place of faith rest. It's not a, just a striving. It's a place of faith rest. Whew, my God. And I was done. I was so happy. I said, Jesus, you're so good to me. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for helping me when you saw I was about to make a mistake. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, sir, I heard the Holy Ghost say, son, I, I want to give you one more scripture about that last point that I read you, that I spoke to you about, about faith and rest. I said, yes, sir. He said, turn to Hebrews 4. So I turned to it, but if it's with your permission, I'd like to read it to you from the Passion Bible because I read it. Well, let me read it to you in both and then we'll close. What's the time? 8.57. I got three minutes. You can do a lot in three minutes. My God. <laughs> Hebrews chapter four, and I want to read you because you, 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 I mean, I, I flipped out. It said exactly in the passion, the same phraseology even. I didn't even know it said it like that as the way God said it to me. So he's giving me scripture to perfectly back up what I've told you, what he said to me live. Now, Hebrews chapter four, and I want you to look at verse three and nine to 11. Verse three, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So what is he saying is, we which have believed do enter into rest. That's the part I'm, I'm wanting you to focus on. We, for we which have believed do enter, we that are in faith enter into rest. Now look at verse nine. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. There, let us therefore labor to enter into that rest. What's the labor? The press of faith. Let us labor and press in faith that we may enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, Verse 8 says something interesting. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There therefore remains a rest for the people of God. The King James says the word Jesus, but it is not Jesus, the one that you think Jesus our Savior. King James mistranslated this. All the other translations don't say the word Jesus. They say the word Joshua because Joshua is where you get the name Jesus from. <laughs> now, listen to it in, I'll finish with this, but listen to these verses in the Passion Translation and it will so bless you. Are you ready? Uh, <clears throat> let me find it quickly here. Hebrews chapter four, Hebrews chapter four and verse three. Listen, for those of us who believe, faith 
activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. We're in faith, we're believing. We experience a realm of confident rest, the rest of assurance. Now, <laughs> now this is, I don't know how God does it, but, but, but look at this. This is amazing to me. Here he is giving me a Joshua verse about rest that I read to you, Joshua 1, verse 10 and verse 13, verse 11 and 13. And then I didn't even know that it was listed in the New Testament. I didn't even know, I didn't even know that this was even in the New Testament referring to the verse I just read you until God said it to me and said, read Hebrews chapter four. It gives you the scripture to back up what you've been saying, what I've been saying to you. Look at verse eight now in the Passion. Now, if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land. I just read it. Joshua brought the people to the land and he said, God's giving you a land of rest. If this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest. So we conclude, therefore, that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. As we enter, are you listening? As we enter into God's faith rest life. I mean, I couldn't believe it almost dropped the Bible because that's how the Lord said it to me, that there's a, you enter into a faith rest. Now in the Passion, there's a hyphen. It says faith hyphen rest. It's connecting the word faith, hyphen, and the word rest. Listen, as we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works, just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. Verse 11, so then we must give all, the, so then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. My God, I am so grateful, not only that he's speaking to me, but the word says it verbatim and even in the same phraseology. Joshua had a rest for the people. And what, what the author of Hebrews is saying is, obviously that wasn't the end of rest because otherwise we wouldn't have rest. But no, there is not, that's not the only rest. The children of God have a rest. So we conclude there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. And as we enter into God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works. So then we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith rest life. You couldn't, it couldn't be said more perfectly. God is talking to me, but he said it in the word. Joshua led them into rest, but there's a rest for the people in the New Testament believers, it's called the rest, the faith-rest life. When you are pressing in faith and you don't let go, you pray in the Holy Ghost because it will help strengthen that faith. It'll help get you in the spirit. But as you press in faith, what happens? You enter into this divine peace and rest that God has for you. This divine confidence and assurance that what you're believing will surely come to pass. It's no longer a striving. At first, faith is a fight, but at the end, faith is rest. Did you hear what I said? At first, faith is a fight, but at the end, faith is a rest. A lot of people are still in the fight of faith. They need to enter into the rest of faith. You start by being buffeted and fighting and pressing, 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 but if you'll get in the spirit 
and you won't quit, let go, your faith will enter into a divine rest. The fight will cease and you'll enter into such a calm, confident assurance that it's done. And that what you're believing God for, you're doing your part, but he's doing his part and he'll manifest it. And so the Lord said to me, I know my people need rest, son, but fainting is not rest. It looks like it, but it's, the, it's a fake. What, where you get the rest from is praying in the Holy Ghost. Where you get the rest from is the Holy Ghost will strengthen your faith and will bring you into a divine place of calm, peaceful assurance and confidence. It might start in a fight, but it will end in rest. And you will just sit there in your hammock, totally relaxed and say, Father, I'm not letting go. I have it. I'm believing you. And I'm at full peace. I haven't quit and I'm not fainting. I'm at full peace and rest while I believe you. And it will surely come to pass. If you have to touch somebody on the other side of the planet, you'll do it. If you have to put me at the front of the line for a new job, you'll do it. If you have to do whatever you, God will move a million miles to help you and your family's finances. And he'll move a million miles to help Promise of Life and our church finances. And he'll move a million miles to help me and the Field family and our personal finances if we will not let go our faith. And if we will enter into that place of quiet rest and assurance and confidence that it's done. And if you'll pray in the Holy Ghost more, it'll help you. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I've endeavored to share what the Spirit of God said to me today. Father, I know it's a lot of words and it's taken some time to expound and explain and, 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 and pull back the layers of the onion, so to speak. But Father, if they were listening and if they inclined their ear unto your word tonight, I know that it would have brought answer and victory and rescue for them. Father, I know that I was letting go of my faith because I was considering the coronavirus circumstances. I know you were displeased because I was going to lose precious ground hard fought that I was occupying in the spirit. And you said, don't ever let go what you're occupying in the spirit. So Father, I repent before the people and I repent before you. I will never do that again. Father, I lay hold, I have laid hold of it and I continue the pressure of my grip of faith on 35,000 a week and 350 adult members in this season of 2020, the beginning of Hebron. I will not lessen that to take something easier and lesser. Father, I ignore that other budget. I erase it now from my heart and my mind and I hold fast to the 35,350 that you promised me. I will not lose ground that I'm occupying. I will not go backwards. I will go forwards. And Father, they will also not let go what, the, what you've promised them for their family and for their individual budgets. They hold fast. They don't look and be concerned and distracted with what's going on. They don't try to get in their mind to figure out how it's going to happen. That's your side. Our side, we hold fast in our believing. We only believe. And Lord, we will cut out anything that hurts our faith. Any other ministry that might not have it the same, the same diet and the same, the same angle, that, that spirit of faith that, we're, that we know and that we love. Lord, the world and all their hype and, 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 and chaos and confusion. Father, will cut out anything that hurts our faith and we hold fast to it in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, we'll pray in the Holy Ghost because not only will that strengthen our believing according to Jude 20, but it will help us to get in the Spirit and it will help us enter into that divine place of faith rest, that calm, quiet, peaceful assurance and confidence that it all is well according to Hebrews 4. Father, we may have started in a fight of faith, but we will end in a rest of faith. Father, we thank you for it. 
I bless the people tonight. I thank you that they will not let go, not for the church and not for them personally. And I will not let go, not for the church, not for me personally, and also not for them personally. I won't let go. I'm standing with them. It will surely all come to pass. I give you praise and I give you glory for the help and the rescue tonight from your word. And I thank you. Bless them now, Lord, as they prepare to sleep. Let them continue meditating on these verses. Let them go to in a sweet, sound, peaceful sleep. I claim over this congregation that you give your beloved a sweet sleep. Now, I've just heard the Holy Ghost say to me by the word of knowledge that there's been some in your church son, that have not been resting properly and have not been sleeping properly because of concern. Now, I rebuke that fear in the name of Jesus. You take authority over that fear in your own life. And I also, as your pastor, bind that in Jesus' name, that fear. And I command you to rest and to be peaceful. So I thank you that you give your beloved a sweet sleep tonight, Father. Let them get on that pillow. Let them go into that holy wonderland. Let them dream of Jesus. Let them meditate on the word even in their sleep. Let them wake up tomorrow refreshed and ready to grab hold and hold on tight in their grip of faith for the church, but also for their own personal needs. We will not let go what we have started to occupy in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you, Father. Amen and amen.